0: Here, let me bring now my first and best because you are worth my worship and I'm bringing this offering to you now. Well, good morning. Hey, super excited to be here with you and to uh, be a part of this series here as we've been looking at uh, Jesus, my faith, and we've been continuing here in through the book of Hebrews. And uh, as Pastor Tim kind of walked through last week a little bit, uh, jumping into the first part of Hebrews chapter 11 with a good, really working definition of faith. And if you remember, uh, really kind of one of the takeaways, at least that I had there was, was, was what faith was, was hearing, it was trusting, and, it, it, and it's leaning on, on, on God in that. Hearing, trusting, leaning. Over the next few weeks, we're going to then continue through Hebrews 11 and see some examples of what that looks like here lived out in the past and, and maybe some very practical uh, things that we can apply here uh, as well to uh, where we're at uh, right here in central Illinois in, in 2022. And uh, super excited to be a part of, of that. And, and we're going to be looking here at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And we're just going to start here, and then we're going to springboard into uh, Genesis chapter three, or Genesis chapter four, I mean, but uh, Hebrews eleven four says this, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And so we see here, starting out in this, we're starting to list out some examples of faith. The author of Hebrews has kind of given some some Old Testament examples of what it looks like, really, as they heard, trusted, and then leaned on Jesus Christ, even this Messiah that would come, even before they even knew who exactly that would be. And, And so we see this account here of Abel, who offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than his brother Cain. Do me a favor now, let's just go ahead and turn back to Genesis chapter 4, and let's take a, let's maybe go a little more in depth into this account of what that looked like and really what was going on uh, around the circumstances here. And so we're going to jump now to uh, Genesis chapter 4 and really look at the first 16 verses there. If you're taking notes, point number one is this, give of, give of your best and your first in worship to God who owns it all. Give of your best and your firsts in worship to God who owns it all. Starts off here, verse one of chapter four of Genesis. It says, now Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. So we see here, remember, this is soon thereafter creation, and we've had the, because of sin, and Adam and Eve, and the sin, and the fall, and they've been expelled from the garden. God did give them a charge. They were to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth, and but it was going to be outside of the Garden of Eden. And so they have then moved into there, and now they come together, and Eve gets pregnant. And so uh, it's kind of important here as we're seeing this because in this account we're going to see there are several firsts that take place. And in this case here we see the, the first, this is the first birth that's ever taken place. Think about that. Adam and Eve were created by God. Cain was birthed from his mother Eve. So this is a first here, the first birth. Uh, and by the way, the, the pain in childbirth was, was the result of the curse uh, that we just read about in Genesis chapter 3 leading into this. And it says, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. I know there's some several single ladies who would like to say that. Very same thing. But, uh, but I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord, and, and, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting here, as this first birth takes place, we see uh, that they immediately recognize that this was a blessing and that this was something that came from the sovereign hand of God, and and they immediately are giving him uh, the praise in that as well, and it didn't stop there. He says, and again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was the keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. And so we see here that, that uh, they've been uh, come out of the garden, Adam and Eve, and she gets pregnant, Eve gets pregnant, she gives birth to Cain, and then soon thereafter gives birth to Abel. There's, there's not a lot of time uh, given, duration given there, but we see there uh, that now there are Cain and Abel, the two sons. To our knowledge up to this point, these are probably the only four people on earth there, there may be, there's some accounts we'll talk about here in a little bit of, uh, of others that, that would come along, but uh, uh, at least there's no record of that. And so we see, though, that these two boys then start to grow up and they get to an age where they start their professions, how they're going to care for themselves and what they're going to do. And it says that Abel was the keeper of the sheep. Everybody say that's a shepherd. That's right, so he's gonna be a shepherd, he's the rancher, and Cain here is a worker of the ground. So Cain's a farmer, and he's gonna be tending to the crops and all that takes place there as well. And in verse three it says, and in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first of the ground, I'm sorry, of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Okay. So you see the story here as it's going here as it starts to unfold there's Cain, there's Abel, one's a shepherd, one's the farmer. It says in the course of time at some point in there they decide they come together and they take uh, of what they produce and they bring it to the Lord as an offering. Okay, and so as they bring it to the Lord, it says there that Cain brought some of his crops, and he brings them in, and Abel, it says, he brings of his firstborn and of the fatlings, okay, so it gives a little bit of some adjectives there that, that, that gives them idea that he's given here of his first and best is kind of the idea. In that. And as they bring it before there, it says, And God accepted Abel's offering. He was commended for his, but for Cain's, God God didn't uh, commend Cain for his offering. And so there's something here that took place, the difference in in those. And uh, then we see the response there uh, from Cain as well. And so, first question it begs as I kind of dig in and start reading this and studying this is so what was wrong with Cain's offering? So why, why was that not accepted? And I'm going to be honest, there is a little bit of debate amongst believers as to why that is. Some will say that, well, uh, that because it wasn't a blood sacrifice that took place and that, uh, that Abel here brought the, the, the lamb probably that would have come in and that could have been a blood sacrifice. And we know that a- and Cain brought uh, the fruit of the ground here, brought some crops in. And, and so that, that, might, that might be it. That, that might be it. Um, I'm not saying it absolutely isn't. I will say though that we see even once the Levitical law was established that there would be there would be sin offerings that were the shedding of blood but there was also many other grain offerings and other types of things first fruit offerings that would brought in as well and so it wasn't that that would be the only types of of, of things that would take place in, in that um we also, some will say that, uh, that it was really about the quality of what was brought in. That uh, Abel brought his first and his best, and Cain just brought some of kind of would be the idea in that. And I would say, I would probably land more in that as well, as you see. And some of it, just from what I mentioned here, kind of from what the adjectives that were given and the lack of adjectives that were given for between Cain and Abel. It says, Abel brought the first and the fat portions, kind of gives the idea of the, of the, the choice, uh, the, the choice offering there as well. And uh, Abel, it just says, well, he just brought some. He just brought some of that. Some will also say that, that maybe it has to do also with the attitude in which it was offered. Uh, and, and I think clearly we see that in, back, back in Hebrews 11. It says that Abel brought it and it was commended unto him as righteous, and Cain, it was not accepted. And so I think definitely the attitude would have been involved in all of that and probably it was probably more in the quality of the gift that was brought than any other thing that that we see here. But whatever it is, while there's not a lot of clarity for us here right now, I I do think this, I do think that God had uh, given his expectations and that they were aware of those expectations. That I, I do think happens. I think we're gonna see that as you start to see the interaction and once it was rejected and you see how Cain responded and you say what he said and what he didn't say, it sure gives the idea that this wasn't a surprise and that he wasn't debating the, the, the issue of it. It was more of, uh, of, of the fact of being rejected uh, in his offering in there. And so we see there uh, that uh, that. Um, Abel's was accepted and Cain's was not. And so what was Cain's response there? It says that he was angry and his face fell. So we see he was angry and his face fell. So he brings this in, it is not accepted by God, and it angers Cain I mean, you can just feel it in those words, right? You can feel the defiance. You can feel the, the, the digging in of his heels. It says he got mad and he got depressed. His countenance changed. He got mad and then he got depressed. You know, it, it's interesting as we talk about this idea of, 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 of worshipful giving, and what that looks like in worshipful giving here, and we see, I, I think there's some, there's some good takeaways that we can find from here. Here's, uh, uh, here's five ways that we know our worship is off. There may be others. There are. But, but here's five ways that we know our worship may be off here. Uh, number one, uh, I'll offer it, I'll do it, but uh, I'll do it my way. Maybe that thought's crossed your mind before. All right, all right, I'll do it. I'll serve, I'll do this. All right, I'll come to church. I'll, I'll come in for worship, but I'm gonna do it my way. Or how about this one? Okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll go to worship. I will uh, maybe give this or I'll serve in this, but um, I mean, I'll do it as long as it doesn't inconvenience me. As long as it can kind of, can, can fit. it doesn't cost me much, there's no inconvenience. How about this one? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll worship. I'll give and serve. But um, uh, I'll do it once I do all these other things. It's 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 the lower priority. Or maybe could be this. Well, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, we'll go to church. We'll we'll serve in this and we'll give to this uh, because it, it'll look good to others. Because others will see that and it'll look good. Or, or maybe the last one here kind of wraps it up a little bit there. But 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 I'll do it. You know, as long as what I'm doing, as long as it makes me feel good. Or I like serving there because I like the way it makes me feel. Whatever those are, maybe you can relate to one of those. I sure can. Continuing on in verse 6, it says this, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, and you must rule over it. Man, these these are a couple of verses I I like the most in this passage. Man, these are verses of hope here to me. And maybe, maybe you didn't catch it the first time through, but it says this. So the Lord says to Cain, okay, Cain here, he's angry, he's depressed, and so God comes to him and says, hey, why are you so depressed? Look, if you just do it right, it'll be accepted. Man, can, can you see the patience that God has in a, uh, to us? You see the, the, the mercy that God has? Look, you didn't do it right. But look, if you just do it right, it'll be accepted. Here, the, Really, it's, 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 he's giving a, a second chance to Cain. He's saying, look, you, you'll receive a favor in this. He says, but, but if you continue on this anger, look at that phrase, it says, but sin is crouching at the door. Man, you, you see, that metaphor there is a, a powerful meta, metaphor as we see that, that little word picture of sin crouching at the door, just ready to spring on Cain. And he's saying, you've got this thing and it's just right there, just just ready to leap into action. You better do something with that anger. That sin right there is is just about ready to take over. And we're gonna see God calls it. He says, look, this is what's gonna happen. And we see in this story, it's exactly what happens. And it's what sin does. As it just kinda builds and builds and builds. And so he says, will you not be, accepted? sin is crouching at the door, its desire is contrary. Man, it's against you. This anger, it's not for you. This is not helping you. This is hurting you. It's harmful to you. It's contrary. It's, it's, it's against you. But you must rule over it. Another thing I appreciate is the fact that God is acknowledging that, that Cain was able to do something with that sin. He could have victory over it. He wasn't powerless in it. He wasn't helpless in this. And God says the same thing to us. And whatever the sins and struggles that, that we seem to get in and we get so tied up in that the God's look here, God, God also says, I, I'm, I'm ready to jump in with you in this and help you. Through the work of, of God in our lives, the work of Jesus Christ, Man, he covered that sin. We can have victory over sin. And that's what he's saying to Cain as you can have victory over that as well. Cain had a choice. He could rule over it. He could deal with that anger, that bitterness that was starting to, that jealousy that we're going to see that was starting in or not. You know, as, as we're looking at this idea of, of giving of our best, and I was thinking through that this week of, uh, of, of things where we give our best. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I it came to mind Thanksgiving. I have no idea why Thanksgiving did initially, but uh, let me tell you this. I don't know about you guys, but in my house, for me, I generally have two Thanksgiving meals. You guys, anybody else have two Thanksgiving meals? I, I, we, we have kind of two Thanksgiving meals that take place on the day of Thanksgiving. The first meal, the first meal is the, the, the meal that my wife prepares. And sometimes others of us as we help her out or we get out of her way depending on what she wants in the moment and what is going to help to have better food because that as well she's a very good cook and I'm not so but, uh, but that first meal man is it is uh, nice and she generally starts even the night before in preparation for that and things when we get out the turkey that morning she'll get up early and she'll start that turkey and all the things that she's doing to make that good and all of the fixings and everything that's going on and we generally eat Um, Thanksgiving lunch around maybe one or two o'clock in the afternoon is typically it and boy if you come in sometime in late morning sometimes we'll even help you, you start setting the table and we bring out the good china. You remember the good china. It's the ones we use once a year. And it's the ones that we brought out, right? It's, 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 I don't know if you were 80s, early 90s, but it was man, that was part of your wedding register, right? And you got this china that you love that's so dated now. But, uh, and they bring this out, and man, it's, it's there. You guys know what I'm talking about here, if you're a certain age. And we've got this good china, and you bring out the napkins, and you've got those little round things. I have no idea why we have to wrap it napkin up in that but it looks good. And we've even got this silver silverware that you have to polish and keep just for this one time but we get it out and and man it is an awesome meal and we have family that comes in who's ever is in town of our kids and extended family and we've got uh, uh Kristen's parents have been coming near your, your kind of tradition there with the Alvies as well they come in as well and Doris brings her pies and stuff for dessert and man we it is just to the nines and we we eat and we laugh and we share we kind of make a of just some things that we're thankful for and we eat And we eat, and we laugh, and that's Thanksgiving lunch. And then usually when that's done, we kind of help to clean up some stuff. and You take what hasn't been eaten, and you kind of set it aside and put it in the refrigerator and stuff, and then you go change into your sweatpants. And a lot of times there's a ball game on, so we'll turn on football, and just kind of falling asleep and hanging out. And then for some, and some members of my family, they only eat once. But for some, you know, about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, I start to get hungry again. And then I have my second meal. Now, this second meal is, is a little, it's kind of similar to the first meal, but not. Oh, it's the same food, but, you know, I go in the refrigerator, I pull out the turkey, and, and I, I like the, the white meat is perfect for turkey sandwich. And I, I get, you know, I, I get a, a dish, sometimes it's a paper plate, because we've already done the dishes once there, and you get a paper plate, and put it, some bread down, and you put that turkey, and you may get some, some stuffing, or some, some sweet potatoes, or something, and you make your meal, and then you go take it, and you go sit down in front of the TV, because there's probably another game on and you eat your second Thanksgiving meal. Same food, but it looks very different. That's kind of what I see being described here in the offerings that were brought. One was the best. And one was, eh. I mean, same stuff, pretty much. But without all of the fixings. So let me ask you, what does your worship look like? Which Thanksgiving meal does your worship look like? Does your service, giving, When we talk about giving, it it may be in money, man. It's the time, it's the talents, it's the treasures, it's the all of us. Uh, um, uh, Romans 12 says that we are to, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We are the offering, the sacrifice. This is your reasonable act of worship, it says in Romans 12, too. So how is your worship? Is it like Thanksgiving lunch or is it like Thanksgiving supper? Point number two, repent when in error. Otherwise our selfish, broken worship will turn to anger. Repent when in error. Otherwise our selfish, broken worship will turn to anger. Continuing on, verse 8, it says this, and then Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. So we've had this discord here between God and Cain. We've had the rejection of the offerings that were brought of Cain, the acceptance of Abel's offering, the commendation that took place there. We see the anger. We see God challenging, don't let sin man, take over. Do something with it. And so now we see Cain's response to that. It says, he spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. It says, Cain spoke to his brother Abel. I did some some study in that. Cain spoke to him in the Septuagint. That's the, the Greek version of the Old Testament that was written in Hebrew that had been translated and stuff. They actually added some things there. It says, and Cain spoke and said, let's go into the field was kind of the idea. And and so he spoke to him and they went off into the field and it gives an idea that he is bringing him out to this field. He is luring him away from other people. They're getting out where they can be by themselves is kind of the idea what's taking place. Let me see. We see premeditation in this. That's really the takeaway here is this wasn't just a, oh my goodness, a bad reaction, flight off the handle. This was a anger that was building and building and building that premeditated, he takes him out to this field and Cain rose up against his brother and killed his brother. Now it's interesting, I found that when I first was reading through, I'm like, okay, this is a little... Often in in my book. So let me get this straight. God rejected the sacrifice. Cain gets mad at God or Cain gets mad at Abel? Seems like he should have been mad at God, but yet we see here he's taking it out on Abel. And I think the answer is probably yes. It's both. But definitely, we see here as this anger build, we also see this jealousy that then starts to, and you can just imagine here the old, he's looking at this and he's like, oh, Abel, it's your fault. It's your fault my sacrifice was. Oh, always gotta be outdoing me, huh? Always gotta be making me look bad. And we see here the shifting now of blame instead of Cain looking and saying, oh my goodness, I needed to deal with my heart and change that. And oh, by the way, God's given me a second chance. Just do it right. And instead, it's "I I didn't do wrong. It's his fault. And you see the blame shifting then take place. And you see this anger then that's taking place and not accepting responsibility for what's taking place. It's the the tearing down of his brother. And so we see here exactly what God said was going to happen. He said sin is lurking at the door. And we see then that played out here as they continue. So let me ask you this. If we, if we want to avoid that, so, so what, do we do, what do I do when I'm wrong? What do I do when I'm wrong? Here's some thoughts. First of all, humble yourself. Humble yourself. I'm going to say that it starts and it ends here. And, and, and this is a, a hard thing because it's not a real tangible thing to do. But the humbling of ourselves. What was Cain's problem? The root of his problem, it was his pride. You're not going to tell me, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do it the way I want. When we humble ourselves, when we're willing to get under God, we're willing to get under and, and, and realize who we are. Folks, none of us here have anything to brag about. Do you realize that? the more that I focus on the fact that I am a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. And my sin is, is hideous in comparison to the perfection of God, but I am a sinner saved by grace. The value that I have is because of Jesus Christ in my life. I have value. I have so much to be thankful for and so much, but it's all because of a work, the transforming work of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm nothing apart from him. And so it's the lowering of it. It's, it's not that I, that I think horribly even of myself. It's the, the humble, as we said the last couple of weeks, it's, it's that I'm just focused on other things, not myself, right? And so it's a, it's about what Jesus Christ and what he says about me, not what I, how lofty I think of myself, but humble yourself. Number two, admit where you're wrong. Admit where you're wrong. Be specific. And it's generally going to start with your, your thinking and your attitude. Now, admitting that you're wrong, be, be really careful because uh, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We can't even trust ourselves in our hearts. We like to deceive ourselves. We love to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I know what they did. That was terrible. Well, I did, well, mine wasn't so bad, but you gotta know what was going on when I, I mean, I, you know, there was extenuating story and we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and we give ourselves a pass a lot of times on things. And so, a part of it, it's humbling yourself and it's admitting specifically, Lord, this is what I did. In thoughts, in attitudes, in actions. And then, thirdly, confessing it. Confessing it. This may be to God and it may be to God and to people. Depending on what the offense is and who is related to and who the offense was against. And I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. For me, especially when I'm confessing things to God and things that, man, God has brought to my attention that weighs heavy, it helps me to actually speak the words. I mean, I know I can talk to God. I don't have to actually say the words that he knows my thoughts, and that is absolutely true. But there's something for me even more powerful of owning it when I actually speak. Lord, forgive me for My horrible attitude, my selfishness, how I spoke to my wife, what I did, whatever the the thing. And then also then going to that person and saying, I am sorry for what I did specifically, how that hurt you. Will you please forgive me? Humbling yourself, admitting, confessing, and then fourthly, obeying. Changing. The attitudes and the actions, and going after what God is directing us to go after. Making it right. Think about if Cain had dealt with his anger, had dealt with the Lord, I'm sorry for the sacrifice, that it didn't meet that standard and whatever those standards were that were pretty clear evidently to Cain and said, I am so sorry for that. Please forgive me here. Let me bring now my first and best because you are worth my worship and I'm bringing this offering to you now. It would have been a completely different story. It would have said, and God commended Cain and Abel as righteous. Verse nine, as we continue, it says, and then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Everybody said, that was a lie. <laughs> that was a lie. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Okay. Okay. So now the murder has taken place. Cain did whatever he did with the body here as it was out in the field away from many people, mom and dad for sure. And it says, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Okay, so now we see the confrontation. And there's some things that, that uh, really as we're going through is kind of on the side here that I, that I also took note of but that I found interesting. One is the fact, man, can you imagine? God is speaking directly to Cain. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. We see that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve and, and there was direct communication. God spoke to, to Cain he spoke to Cain and Abel there as well, and now he's a second time coming back. After his first challenge, he is in the presence of the creator of the universe, of all life, and Cain was well aware of that. There's only a few other times he spoke. He walked with Enoch. He, Noah he spoke with, Abraham. There's, we see accounts of this, but we see he spoke to Cain. Man, Cain is lying to God's face think about that secondly I noticed here from from God's perspective you know it's interesting man when God confronts he confronts with questions doesn't he (laughs) when he came to to Adam and Eve and he's like hey where are you hey why are you hiding who told you you were naked what you question question just leading them there he cares. hey so so where's your brother what have you done we see questions again that, that, that he's asking, Man, he's just drawing Cain into the, out in this web of, of lies that are taking place. And, and then we see, really, just the defiance, the belligerence, the sarcasm then of Cain. He says, well, I don't know, what am I? Am I my brother's keeper, remember? Keeper of the flocks, right, shepherd. Literally, Cain's saying, am I my brother's shepherd? Oh, you liked his offering, not mine. And so you see the sarcasm. The contempt, even in in the response. And and, and so often, folks, we need to be so careful. Man, sin is crouching at your door. We see now that the cover-up is taking place. Think of what went on. First, it started with a poor sacrifice that wasn't accepted you can we can kind of debate was that sin or is that just worthless was that just worth nothing and, and you can i can kind of go on either side even though that but what the, that led then to anger that led then into jealousy that led into murder that led into lying do you see the the, the snowball of sin that takes place and it starts here and it gets root and it takes heart in root in our heart and then it just starts to grow and grow and expand and expand like a snowball just picking up more and more snow getting larger and larger that snowball of sin you'd be so careful of that verse 10 then says and the Lord said what have you done the voice of of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. He says, what did you do? I can hear the shed blood crying out to me. As if we we could ever deceive God who sees all, who knows all. (laughs) He says, verse 11, and now you are cursed from the ground Which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. He says, What have you done? Literally saying, I know what you've done. And now here is your punishment you're going to be cursed. You, you, you're, a, you're a farmer. You work the ground and you take all of the produce from them from now on. You're not going to be able to take much of anything out of it. You're going to have no strength, no, no effect. You're not going to be able to effectively work the ground anymore. And you're going to be banished and you're going to be left to wander. You're going to be a fugitive and a wanderer. You're going to be an outcast because of what you've done. Verse 13 there. And then Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. You know, I, I, again, this was another thing that I struggled a little bit. You know, even in the midst of being confronted with this sin, he's complaining about the consequences of it. As, as I look and as you go on and continue into Exodus and then into Leviticus here in the, the, Le, the Levitical law, the the payment for taking a life was you would lose your life. Really, we see God's mercy in this that he's sparing his life right here, right now. He's getting off a little easy here. God's being very merciful in, in what takes place. And we, we see that he... He's still, man, it's, it's, it's still too much. I can't, I can't handle the consequence of this. It's still, I, it's about me still. He still has a, is he, has he, is he repentant? No. No. When we're repentant of that, we're not complaining about the consequences. We're, we're owning that. And we understand that. I don't, no, he's not repentant. And, and notice the other thing. He says, and you are taking away my job, the ground, they're working in the ground and your presence. And I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but even in the order of that was, what was you, you're taking this away from me? Oh yeah, and, and, and now I can't even be around you and others. I'm going to lose this and be isolated. The wanderer. And then we see thirdly, and I'm afraid that someone is going to kill me. I'm afraid that someone's going to come and want retribution, and it's going to want uh, an answering for this life that was taken. And so he was afraid for his life. Now, over the years, there's been many speculation as to, so who's he talking about? Who, who, who would that be? Who is he afraid of? And uh, really simply put, he's afraid of other siblings and nieces and nephews. That were going to come along. It's the only people that were there. We we know some. Uh, there's been other kind of liberal views on this that may well. Maybe there was other people that God had put on earth and that. But Scripture makes it clear that wasn't the case. Uh, Genesis three ten or three twenty says that Eve is the mother of all living things. Uh, Acts 17, 26, that that through one man, every nation of mankind comes through. Everything comes through Adam. Those were the only people, that is the only family that that we see uh, that was there on earth. It does say this in in the next chapter there in verse 4 of chapter 5 of Genesis. It says that Adam and Eve had many more sons and daughters. Jewish tradition uh, gives the the numbers there. And according to Jewish tradition, this is not scripture. Everybody say not scripture, not scripture. Okay, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is just tradition. I have no idea the accuracy, but according to Jewish tradition, that Adam and Eve had thirty three boys, sons, and uh, twenty three daughters. And you need to understand. You go through chapter five, you see the life expectancies through them was all up into the nine hundreds. And so they were. I mean, the earliest I saw in chapter five, the first one getting the first child was at seventy. Well, he was a young one when he started his family, <laughs> right? And so they would, and then started having children and children and children. So just think by the t- in, in Cain's lifetime, there very well there would have been thousands of people on earth in that nine hundred years of his lifetime. Very easily you could see that. And so this is other family. By the way, also, the, the whole uh, not marrying close relatives and things. That came later, according to the Levitical law, because of the genetic degradation. Because of the effect of sin on the body and how the, the birth defects and things that would take place. When you were right at creation, Adam and Eve, and stuff, that wasn't even an issue. They were created perfect in their genetics and everything. And so uh, that would take some time. And so God, God instituted that more of protection there of the genetic code and, and, and things that were taking place. But, but that wasn't in place either. And so you saw it was family. Think about that. Why? So the isolation, the force to wander, that he's now afraid of his immediate family. You understand that? And so we see the effects there. And then verse 15, again, again, merciful God. And then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So here Cain says, I, this is too much, and someone's going to kill me, and God steps in one more time with gracious, with merciful response and says, nope, that's not it, I'm even going to protect you. Even as you're dealing with the consequences of your sin, I'm still going to protect you. And so he put this mark on him. We have no idea what that mark is. I, have, I really have no even speculation. But that mark was a protective thing. Look, if anyone, when they saw that, they knew of Cain's sin. And they knew if they did anything about that, God would, would inflict it's seven times. Man, even far more than what the punishment was for Cain. And so stay away. But so that mark that was protective was also a mark that was shameful of dishonor, of what he had done. It says, and then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Everybody say, that's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be. There's another one that says, was running away from the presence of the Lord. That was Jonah right before the fish swallowed him. It's a bad place to be away from the presence of the Lord. So as we're thinking through this, there are two responses that we see that we can have. Man, when, when confronted with our sin, two different responses. As I was thinking through that, I was reminded of an incident that took place in my life when I was 16 years old. And uh, so I, I was uh, old, older for the uh, kids in my class, and I turned 16 in the fall of of my sophomore year. Then that following summer, then, we were in a basketball league, and and some of the guys on the basketball team were were in this uh, league, it was before travel teams and all that kind of stuff back then, and so it was about a half an hour away, and uh, we were going back and forth. they go twice a week there to ball games and stuff, and and there's games on Wednesday during the day and stuff. and uh, that night, though, we had uh, our youth group, we had Bible study. In the summer, we'd have Bible studies at, at, at different homes. Uh, There's 40, 30, 40 people in my youth group. And this time, it was hosted at Joe and Margaret Flores' house. And they were close friends of our family and a, a whole lot of fun. And they would host it. Our youth pastor and others were there as well. And we went through the Bible study, got all done, having fun, had some, some refreshments and stuff. And Joe says, hey, Steve, can, can I talk to you for a minute? And he pulls me back around kind of behind the little shed there in the backyard where we were. I, I remember this so distinctly. And he says, look, Steve, um, I need to talk to you. Um, I don't know. You were heading all over to Tip City uh, today, and and I was driving down the road, and you were driving way too fast. And you had a car full of of guys in there, and you're, 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 it was not safe, and you passed me. and And so... He, He says this, and you got to know, I can remember it because I remember the things that were going through my mind as he's saying that. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't you mind your own business? Are you kidding me? And I kind of remembered a little bit, oh, you were the guy in that little pickup truck putzing along, (laughs) right? And all these things were going through my mind, and I'm like, come on, man, are you serious? Are you serious? And I think probably he could see the look on my face because I remember he got this tear. He's like, Steve, man, if something happened to you or if something happened and the guys that were in your car and it was your fault, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I hadn't said something. You, you don't want that. And it was about that time that, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Joe. And I apologized to him. And it's just funny, as I was thinking about that, because I I remember what I was thinking, I remember what I said, and now I look back on it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what a punk I was. And I was a 16-year-old kid who didn't even have his license for a year, with four guys in this little red Chevette flying down some country road, zipping around. Oh, but by the grace of God, something didn't happen. And thank you so much, The guy actually cared enough to do that. And I thought about that, but I thought about how often when confronted, when God confronts our sin, do we just grit our teeth, dig in our heels and say, mind your own business. Let me do what I want to do. And we lose sight of the fact that God loves us. The whole reason for confronting sin is I don't want you Feel the the hurt that comes with that. I'm saying this because I love you. Respond to me. Let's pray.